Phantomaniacs, welcome to the newest episode of the Needless Things Podcast, where we talk about toys, movies, music, and all manner of pop culture dorkery. I am your host, Dave, and I am sitting here right now, home alone. Ah! It's funny, we actually just watched both of the... (laughs) Okay, I say we watched both of the Home Alone movies, which is not a correct statement. We watched the first two Home Alone movies... Uh, my, my son, he's seen them. I, I feel like we watched them a couple of years ago, maybe, but I don't know that they'd quite stuck in his head yet. He's 10 this year and I think he's just the right age. Uh, Macaulay Culkin was 10 for the first home alone. And during the home invasion scene, the big, the big climax of the movie, he was laughing so hard he was crying and he loves this movie he thinks kevin McAllister is the coolest uh he he was like retaining information we watched him out of order because the second one was on tv and we just sat and watched it like weirdos uh just watching a tv program and then the first one wasn't on demand or anything so i just ordered it from amazon because obviously that's a movie worth having and uh we watched it the other day and and it was just great. We had a blast watching those movies and they're they're a must for Christmas time as far as I'm concerned. Uh and another must for Christmas time since this is the Needless Things podcast and this is the holiday season, uh it's time to put over another charity. Only I'm not going to put over just one charity. I'm going to put over a way that you can support over a million charities. You know, I mentioned Amazon just a minute ago. And if you go to smile.amazon.com, you can sign up. If you already have an Amazon account, it's very easy to switch it over to a Smile. Well, you're not, you're not switching it over. It's very easy to establish a Smile account. And what smile.amazon.com is, is a way to donate to the charitable organization of your choice. Uh, you go to the Smile, you set it up, you choose a charity out of over a million charities, and every time you buy something through Amazon Smile site, a portion of your purchase goes to that charity, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Uh, I have the Wounded Warrior Project as my charity of choice, and you can go in, and if you want to, you can change it every month and do 12 different charities throughout the year. Uh, you can do it however you want. It's very easy. It doesn't cost you anything extra at all. And it's a fantastic way to every time you make a purchase from Amazon, uh, that charity gets something. You're helping out. Just like, and I'm going to be a little crass here, but it fits in. So let's say you need your own copy of Home Alone and Home Alone 2. The very best thing you could do is go to needlessthingssite.com, click on the Amazon box, switch over to Smile, and buy Home Alone and Home Alone 2. It won't cost you anything extra, but Needless Things and the charity of your choice, whether you want to help out Wounded Warrior Project, whether you want to help out uh, kids 
that need help in the arts, whether you want to help out your local pet charity, Humane Society. I don't know if Humane Society specifically is on there, but but uh, an animal uh, rescue charity. There are there's if there's anything that you think deserves your help, it's probably available on there. If you're concerned. Uh, if you want to save legless penguins in the North Pole, there's probably a charity for that. Man, that's depressing. I wish I hadn't said that. But anyway, smile.amazon.com. Uh, you just go there and use your existing Amazon account to set it up. And every time you buy, the charity of your choice gets a little something. And, and I think it's a wonderful thing. Uh, and it's you know one of the advantages over brick and mortar and believe me you guys i'm not down in brick and mortar if i could just stick with that i would i love local business and i I use it whenever i can but let's not act like amazon isn't great right right okay moving on uh today's show uh, we have a very special guest in in the creator vein which i wanted to stick with these last couple months of the year uh, hasn't totally worked out but today it has and you're very very lucky because our guest is Valerie Meese and by the time this show is over you'll be saying i love meeses to pieces I, I meant to say that during the interview, and I completely forgot. And uh, Valerie, if you if you're listening, I, I apologize. That was terrible. Uh, but anyway, uh, Valerie Meese is a singer, songwriter, illustrator, puppeteer, creator, and all around incredible lady. She does everything, and it's funny because I, I found out over the course of being acquainted with her, like a little bit at a time that she's this, like, amazing polymath that's just great at lots of things. So Valerie and I have a great conversation. Uh, As often happens with these first interviews, we just hit the tip of the iceberg, but we we have a a wide-ranging set of topics that I think you're going to enjoy. I will warn you, at the end, because of me, this is my fault, at the end, uh, there's a little politics. There is, but it's it's unavoidable at this point. It's going to creep in everywhere, and this time around, I I brought it up. I'm the bad guy, so you know, send your angry emails, uh, phantom troublemaker at gmail dot com. And I know you want because you guys don't send emails ever, but you can join the Needless Things Podcast Facebook group and give even more direct responses over there. So if I say something you don't like, uh, let me know. Yell at me. It's fine. I love it. I love the attention. It doesn't matter. All right. And finally, before we get to the episode proper, uh, let me, let me check off my list. Okay. I mentioned smile.amazon.com. Uh, what I've not mentioned, another Amazon tie-in I'm really excited about, uh, tomorrow night, we're going to see the new Jumanji movie. And we're seeing it like a week and a half early or something, maybe a two, two weeks early, I guess. I'm not sure when it comes out. Uh, I think it comes out on like the 20th or the 21st and we're going to see it tomorrow because there's this thing that happened where if you're an Amazon Prime member, you could buy tickets to screenings of Jumanji, I think tonight and tomorrow night, which to you guys will be tonight, Friday night. Uh, you could buy your tickets early, two weeks early, which is crazy. And I'm really curious to see if this is a thing that's going to, happen going forward and how that's going to go over i guess uh i I can't think of really a detrimental effect on theater owners on hollywood studios or on amazon 
but it just seems really weird to me. Like seeing a movie two weeks early that's not, you know, a, a review screener or something along those lines. Uh, but we're excited about Jumanji. We all three uh, saw the trailer in the theater, and it was great. And I am not a huge fan of the original one. Like, I get it. But I think I was a little old when it came out, so it didn't hit me quite in the right spot. Uh, and and also at the time, uh, and I, and I hate to speak ill of the dead, but you know it's a fact. I, I had some Robin Williams fatigue. I, I think he had already done some some more dramatic movies by then that were not in any way up my alley. So. Uh, the first Jumanji just wasn't my thing, but this one looks like it's everybody's thing. It's got a great cast. It looks like it's a ton of fun. Uh, the effects that we've seen in the trailers, I think, look pretty great. Uh, and the setting, I think, is genius. This movie could have been done without the Jumanji name attached, and I think it would have, uh, it maybe wouldn't have gotten as much attention because it certainly did receive some controversy because of being a follow-up to Jumanji. But uh, anyway... We're going to see it. I'm excited, and you guys will hear all about it sometime next week, whether it's on needlessthingsite.com or here on the podcast next Friday. We'll see how that goes down. Oh, and also, if you remember last week's episode where I hyped up our guest for this week, yay, the interview happened. So moving along, Christmas time. If you stay tuned after the episode, you'll get to hear an original song from Valerie Meese that you're going to enjoy. But right now, since it's the top of the show, since we're talking about Christmas, and since I'm considering this a series of holiday specials, i got to play a song, and I'm going to play one from Ultimate Christmas with the Beach Boys, the Christmas album. I, honestly, I, I don't know the, the actual title of the one that I picked up. It's It's the... Beach Boys Christmas album. It has all 12 of those tracks and then like 11 more tracks, including an alternate version of Little St. Nick that I think I actually like more than the version of Little St. Nick that we've all been listening to for the last 50 years, 1950, 50, 50 plus years. Man, that's a long time. I haven't been listening to it that long, but I've probably been listening to it for 41 years. So anyway, here's the alternate version of Little St. Nick that I think is pretty darn great. And if you don't have this Christmas uh, with a Beach Boys album or Beach Boys Ultimate Christmas or the Beach Boys Christmas album, whatever it's called, uh, you need to go get it immediately. It's fantastic. I don't know that I've ever heard it in its entirety, or at least not since I was a very, very young kid. And I listened to it this morning on the way into work. It's freaking awesome. It's it's a new standard. It's Every single track on there is going into the playlist uh forevermore so here you go little saint nick the altered it Are you ready to discuss the life and times of Valerie Meese? <laughs> sure. <laughs> uh, I, I uh, ready. <laughs> tip, typically, I do start with with how we met or or the first time I got to know someone. 
but like I said, it was just puppetry stuff at Dragon Con, so I'm not sure exactly what it was. I remember seeing uh, your doctor puppet was yep. was a was a big like oh wow like you know how you meet somebody a few times and if if it's something brief where it's like once a year at Dragon Con or whatever it takes a couple of significant things to identify them oh yes yes like, and 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 Dragon Con's especially odd because everyone's in costume and there's just so many people and people who I know from all over the country show up there and if I see someone outside of the habitat that I put them in or that I that I understand them to exist in it completely throws me off so well and that, it's funny because at the the Halloween puck and puppet show and I, I can't remember who it was but I, uh, there was a discussion where I, I think you were telling someone I always have to remind myself you're an Atlanta person yes because it's it just not that context mm-hmm but the let, let's actually start because you've got a great story uh, related to the doctor puppet Oh God! Let's 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 start with that one. Let's let's kick it off big. Okay. Uh, let's see. I just actually made. I guess you've probably seen this. I made a twenty-four hour comic, which is another thing that came out of people I met at Dragon Con. Um, that was for some comic artist friends of mine who wanted to hear the story. It's really not that exciting. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. I've been coughing a lot today. Uh. But a few years ago, I made a puppet for Dragon Con, as I do every year. I try to make something new that is sort of in the realm of fan art that is recognizable, that sort of shows my skill set so that I can pretend that I'm a professional or that I can reinforce that I'm a professional, I guess, <laughs> is really where I am now. Um, but uh, a few years ago, I saw that Peter Capaldi had signed on for, I think, three years of doing Doctor Who. And I was like, well, that's, I love Peter Capaldi's work. So I'm going to make a portrait style, hand and rod, sort of Muppet style puppet of this 12th Doctor. And I'm going to call it Tiny 12. And won't this be fun? And I, I made him. It probably was about 60 hours of work or so to make him. And he is He's delightful. I'm actually I'm very proud of him. I wanted him to be Tiny 12. Someone immediately informed me that he was Puppet Capaldi. And <laughs> they were right. I was wrong. That is that is his that is his name. That is identity. Um, I did a couple Dragon Cons with him. And he is slowly falling apart. He was not... Oh, uh, no. He was not made to be shoved into an 18 by 12 TARDIS backpack that I would refer to as our ride <laughs> um, when we would run around Dragon Con. He's just, you know, he's been through a lot and he has not been treated very well. Um, now, before we get too much further, sure, um, I want to talk about construction and, you know, if you had thought, I'd like to have this guy around for 10 years, could you have made him sturdier or was it just a matter of if he's going to be this kind of puppet he's going to have this much durability and that's kind of all I can do about it um I think I could have well he is the second hand and rod puppet I've ever made are you serious so yes (laughs) yes um the first one being tiny Sherlock Holmes Uh, for a little bit I was doing called the grand adventures of tiny Sherlock Holmes and regular size Dr. Watson where uh and Sherlock Holmes he's also adorable but he is a hot mess of construction like I learned so much through building him and also things like if I were to rebuild Puppet Capaldi 
which I won't unless someone pays me. It's sort of my my rule is like, whatever, this isn't my intellectual property. Sure. I did it to to sort of prove that I could do a thing. I'm not going to make any more Doctor Who puppets. Um, it's like I did the one. He went literally about as far as he can go. And um, but I could I could easily slice open the back of his head and fix his eyes where they are starting to I think the glue is eroding the foam is eroding and so oh, his no. eyes really want to fall in or out of his head <laughs> and I don't want that to happen with a child because kids love him and yeah. and and it's just I I can't take that risk <laughs> so um but yes he's got a I really wanted to get in there and uh build an eyebrow mech I wanted his eyebrows to be able to furrow and I just didn't have time and later I I installed that mech that I wanted on a different puppet again sort of just like uh like proof of concept like all right I know how to make a blinking eye mech I know how to make an eyebrow mech which I did on my most recent Dragon Con puppet which is uh puppet Rick from Rick and Morty which is a a, a different fandom than Doctor Who people <laughs> I discovered um if I meet Doctor Who people I like at my core being understand them sure. and when I meet a Rick and Morty it is a grab bag giveaway of just alcoholism and um but you know you live and learn and uh so yes I could I could reconstruct puppet Capaldi I could save him I could also build a better structure to carry him around with. I do a lot of like, well, I'm flying somewhere, so here's my carry-on. I will shove this puppet to this corner and add, like, I'll put my water bottle inside his his body cavity to give him some structure. And really, I could I could be treating him better. Um, but I decided to retire him. I'm going back into the story. Oh, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I decided to retire him this year because the the actor's leaving the role and I don't uh, and so I was like I'm just gonna do I'll do like this little mini tour I've been wanting to check out Comic Con um, I would love to check out San Diego Comic Con but I just can't get there mm -hmm. um, so I went to Boston Comic Con I went to New York Comic Con and then I of course did Dragon Con this year as I do every year um, and I brought him to each one of those as sort of the, the last hurrah tour and when I was in Boston I received an email from New York Comic Con, just you know that you you sign up for when you get your pass, that said Peter Capaldi was going to be there. And I was like, well, well, darn it! Like that's <laughs> this is uh, clear my schedule. I have a new goal, and uh, and and so we did. We met uh, a couple times. It was delightful and completely bizarre. Um, and I was like, great, we're, we're going out on top. So that puppet now lives in my studio. He's on his little post, um, for sort of archival purposes. And he will not be out at cons anymore unless there is something very specific that I feel he needs to do. And he's been invited to a surprising amount of weddings. So <laughs> apparently we're going to go to some weddings. He has been invited. And so I am sort of his plus one, which. Sure, sure. When I point that out to my friends, they they insist that no, 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 it's me. But no, they they led with what is his availability? Are you willing to take him out to come and and you know have his eyeballs not fall out at our wedding? So now, would he? Uh, w would you be willing to officiate if that was desired? No, I wouldn't. Um, <laughs> and that's actually part of. I get that a lot. People will come up and they'll want me to do the voice. And mm. I'm as much of a performer as I am. 
I know my limitations and I'm not like everyone knows what the voice is supposed to sound like. So why would I uh, like an American woman living in the woods of North Carolina? Like, I'm not going to master that accent. I'm not going to try. Right. So I would make up excuses like, oh, he spent up last night screaming and yelling about things and, and whatnot. I do the same thing for Rick. I was like, you know what Rick's supposed to sound like? Why would I try with Sherlock Holmes? I can do his voice because there's no, he's sort of, he's more kind of in the public domain. Many people have been Sherlock Holmes. You have sort of this variety to pick from. Right. He's not um, as specific as Rick Sanchez. Right. Or the he does not doctor. have a specific identity that yeah. I'm trying to match. Um, so yes, I don't, uh, I wouldn't want to officiate. I would puppeteer while someone else did the voice to officiate, but then that would get very technical as to which one of us got ordained. Um, <laughs> If I, I, I'm sure, I'm sure it could be done. Thankfully, blissfully, it is not, <laughs> it's not come up. And I, and I really hope that no one gets any ideas. Now, you mentioned North Carolina. Is that where you're from yes. or is that just where you are? Really? I that am, is, I am also that is from where North I am Carolina. From? Where are you from in North Carolina? Uh, I was born in Charlotte and lived in Gastonia for Ooh. the first five years of my life. Ah, I was born in Charlotte and I grew up in the suburbs of Charlotte. I don't uh, claim it often. It's not it's not something I lead with. Yeah. Um but it's a although you know there are some interesting things going on in Charlotte um but I have sort of lived through its cultural deserthood. Yeah. That yeah. Uh, that I am I'm not a I mean I go back there my family is still based there outside of Charlotte so um I am there with some frequency, but not uh, not usually of my own plans. Right, it's, right. It's to visit family and 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 some of my friends who are still there. But no, I lived in Asheville for a while, um, and I toured around a whole lot. And uh, but then we ended up and uh, like I said, my band ended up in Asheville, and I ended up in the tiny town of Silva, in in up in the mountains outside of oh, Asheville. Oh, nice. It's quite quaint and beautiful. I'm currently sitting in my living room looking onto Main Street um, because I lucked out where I live. It's it's very it's very sweet. That's awesome. So, uh, <laughs> starting in North Carolina, how how did you end up as a performer? Like, what were your first inklings that you wanted to create and perform and and do? The many things you do, which, by the way, I guess I'll go ahead and get this out of the way, too. So I first knew you Mm -hmm. as a puppeteer and person who builds puppets, which I guess Ah, is is included in puppeteer a lot of the time. It is true, but yes, yes, but that is my second career. Right. Well, (laughs) and that's uh, third. (laughs) Bo and I had a little get together uh, mm-hmm. our, our mutual friend mr bo brown very mr bo brown from out of town of that's that's right Hi, bo. uh actually you know what real quick just to delight bo uh today oh. is bo's birthday it is the Bo's day birthday. that we're recording this and i think we should just say True. happy birthday to bo happy birthday bo uh but we're he and i were talking and i told him uh because the the puppet capaldi comic is what made me say, oh, yeah, that's right. I want to have her on the show. Let's do this now. And I sent you the, the first message. Hey, let's let's record. Uh, and I was like, man, so she's really good with this puppet thing. She's really good with this comic book thing. And then as Bo and I were talking, he was like, well, I first knew her for her singing. And I was like, what? 
That's right. What do you what do you mean <laughs> singing also? And I said, is Valerie one of these people that is just has all these things that she's really good at that the rest of us get angry because it's like it's not fair to have someone be so good at so many things. So was the singing the first career? Um yes, I guess. I uh, so I went to art school. I've been drawing forever. So I would say first was illustration and that I wouldn't say that it hasn't panned out, but all these other things have gotten in the way. And I mean, I very heavily rely on drawing and my drawing capabilities, whether it's designing or making puppets and, and or just goofing off and making comics. Um, I would love to be a comic book artist, but I just uh, I'm I'm out of the game. And and I know that I have friends who are listening to this who are yelling at that at uh, in their earbuds at the, as I say that. But um, when I was in college, I joined. Oh, I'm sorry. Before that, I sang opera with the Charlotte Symphony um, when I was in late high school and early college. And then I left that and joined a punk rock band, as you do, um, sure. called Hell Blinky. Um, the Hellblinky Sextet. We were tons of fun. We were dark, spooky, oh. kind of cabaret. What? Do you know Hellblinky? Yes. I get that a lot. Yes. <laughs> yes. I was in Hellblinky. Oh. I was <laughs> Okay. Okay. It's yeah, all coming together now. Which is, which is also my first career at Dragon Con. Right. Because uh, we were, we had that, we had that Dragon Con celebrity that I now get to go back every year and watch it fade into obscurity. It's great. <laughs> Um, it's, uh, but yeah, we, um, I was in Hellblinky for eight years. I played accordion, saw a ukulele and I sang and I did the girl parts. Uh, and, uh, it's, it was tons of fun. And eventually I had to leave cause just life gets in the way. And, and we went on to do other things. Um, amicably, we, we still are all friends and everything's great. And look, UPS is driving by my house making noise. It's that time of year. They, they've got a lot it to do. It is. They work on Sundays in December. I had no idea. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, so yes, I was, I was in Hellblinky and, um, and now I'm not. <laughs> now I do solo stuff as, uh, Tiny Wonder, which is sort of the name of my, my micro conglomerate, I guess, of, uh, puppets, illustration, and music. And, um, but yeah, I did, I did a lot of that. And that is how I met Bo Brown, our mutual friend that we mentioned earlier. I was my boyfriend at the time and I were at, um, we had been invited the hell blinky. We were doing this puppet show. Sorry. My cat is interested in our microphone. Oh, it's okay. We get all kinds of pet sounds. Yeah. It's like we a were, boys record. There you go. Oh, um, that was me moving a chair. That was not a sound that my cat made. I was wondering how big your cat was. <laughs> I'll take him. Um, so, yes, we we did the Regional Puppeteers of America Festival in, like, 2010 or something like that. Um, and it was the Puppet Slam, which we did not know what a Puppet Slam was at the time. Obviously, I'm very well versed in Puppet Slams now. Sure. Uh, but they had Hellblinky did this, like, weird collaboration with Madison J. Cripps where we would make this... Um, crazy puppet show to to Hellblinky music, and we showcased it there. And that is how I met all these puppet people, including uh, Drew Allison, who is Gray Seal Puppets out in Charleston, who I had interviewed when I was in college 
because towards the end of college, I was tired of two-dimensional and I was starting to move into three-dimensional work. And he was the only puppeteer in Charlotte that I could find. And so I, I interviewed him for my senior seminar. And like, it, you know, eight years, 10 years later, I found him randomly at a puppet slam and we became friends again. And he is now a fan of my work. And almost every time I see him, he's wearing a Hellblinky t-shirt. And it's the uh, cutest thing. That's great. So. Now, how... You said that you got a little tired of of two D art. Mm-hmm. How did that transition exactly occur? Like, what did you know? Like the, the were you sculpting? What were you doing? I started building dolls. To I basically was building marionettes. I just didn't know unstrung marionettes, mm-hmm. which is not does not a marionette make. But <laughs> I was basically building these segmented bodies. And then I was putting in wire amateurs and I was basically creating sort of still stop motion frames. So I was making dioramas that I would then photograph from different angles and those were becoming my illustrations. So I just started working, like I was still building very small and in a very controlled environment and the end result was still a two-dimensional image, but the medium was three-dimensional work. Um, and it was just something I was I was interested in the aesthetic of when I was in college, and that's what got me into puppetry. So I'm one of the, not the few per se, but a lot of the puppeteers of my age group sort of came to puppetry through the Muppets. Not not all of them. I don't want to paint them all with that brush, and that's not a bad brush to be painted with. Sure, sure. But I definitely came through weird, dark, uh, like Czech marionette art and. Svankmeyer films and just weirdness um, that I wanted to create, but I knew I wasn't. I knew at the time I didn't have um, the skill set, for that matter, I probably still don't, um, to be animating at least not in in any significant amount of time to get a project done. So I just was doing these these vignettes or these dioramas in uh, in dolls. And I still have them in a box somewhere. Oh, you need but, to get those archived somewhere. Like, get them up online. Do I? Do yeah, I? yeah, I, I think, think so. They good. But they're 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 an attempt. Okay, I think everyone okay. needs to keep their attempts just so they can look back on them. I'm not sure that everyone else needs to know about them. I have them. I will show them in like private company. I right, say, right. Like, these, are the, these are the dolls that I, I got you. I got you. Well, but it is it is good though, and it, you know it's all about the artist's comfort. But you know, a lot of times it's so encouraging to see, uh, you know, if there's somebody that you respect and admire, to see their past work. Like, oh wow, look at that! That's it's interesting to know there is a progression. You know, that's true. <clears throat> but but it is it's it's got to be up to the artist. Uh, so you you got really into 3D stuff, and I'm what I'm picturing in my head is the kind of stuff that, like, Dave McKean would do for comic book covers. Yes. That that sort of thing. Uh, Dave McKean is the reason I didn't read Sandman for an incredibly long time. Oh, Because his covers are incredible. And you pick up a book, and I know you shouldn't judge a book by its cover, and I understand now more as an adult that's sort of comic, comic world book. adjacent. <laughs> right, and now that I'm sort of comic world adjacent, like, I, was, I say that I want to be a comic artist... But I would settle for covers, like I, which which I know is not it's not the way it works. Um, but 
I would pick up a cover and I would fall in love with the artwork and I would open it. I'd be like, what is this 80s nonsense? Like this is, <laughs> and I'm really, I'm an, I'm an incredibly harsh critic. And there are some brilliant artists who have been on Sandman and I know that now. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the time, as a kid going to a comic book store, I see something that is just dark and cerebral and amazing. I was like, I want that book. And I open it and I was like, oh, this is actually not as different from everything else. It's, the heavy lines and pastel water color, um, but uh, that's but I very, think- that's very interesting though because as, as a huge fan of the covers and of the artwork inside, mm-hmm. just because that's like that's how I knew the comic. I didn't come into it uh, with the expectation of McKean's art inside, mm-hmm. but I can absolutely see the disappointment. Like I totally yes. know what you're talking about because I've had that with other things. So it's, it, it never even occurred to me before that that could be like a letdown to open it up and be like, it, oh. Absolutely. And I would just, I would get <laughs> furious. I would, and so, and since, and also as Dave McKean became more prolific, um, I would see his work, um, he, he would start having books of his own work or he would start yes. illustrating. And then I love those. And that, and, and later I was like, oh wait, Sandman is a remarkable story. I should really read this for its, for its narrative content. And mm. after that I got into it. And there's a there's a moment where if I don't like the art, I can eventually let it slide, but it's hard. I've, I've had the same problem with cartoons. And oh I'm just my like gosh. I can't I can't get into certain cartoons. I'll just be like I don't it this is not my aesthetic. And and I have to push against it and sometimes they're brilliant and sometimes they're crap. But I I cannot this this isn't quite the same material as as what we're talking about, but I I can't handle the new DuckTales because I hate the animation so much. <gasps> oh you see i <laughs> i i i feel like i ha- oh no <clears throat> i don't know if i can tell the story about the new ducktail oh no i don't want to throw anyone under a bus oh yeah don't um, don't it's not it would um no it's a i i don't actually know who is on the new ducktails so i i, I would not want to sp- i had a weird interact not oh man I feel like I have to, otherwise I've built it up as this like, oh God, what is she hiding? <clears throat> it's not, okay, I'm just going to say, I was at Dragon Con, because we've established that's something I do. Right. Um, in the very last day, I ran into Scott Adsit talking with another friend of mine who is more famous than I. Mm. And I was like, you know, I like Scott Adsit. He's, he's, a, he's a pretty great guy. And we've met a couple times. And so I just walked in, I was like, hi, you know, you know whatever. Um, and we spoke for a little bit and he turned to me, I guess puppetry came up. My friend Mark was like, Oh, Valerie does puppet stuff, blah, blah, blah. And, and Scott said, Oh, you need to go and talk to that guy over there. I was like, okay, who's that? And he's like, he's Donald Duck. And I was like, okay, okay, that's great. He's like, no, you don't understand. (laughs) He's Donald Duck. (laughs) He's been Donald Duck since 1985. He's like the second person ever. The first Donald Duck bequeathed Donald Duck to him on right. his deathbed. He is he is the Donald. I'm like, so he's like the Donald Duck of my childhood. He's, he is the Donald Duck of your childhood. And if you've ever seen 30 Rock, he was very much Pete Hornberger at this moment. And it was pretty intense. <laughs> I was like, you have to go and talk to him. And I told him, I was like, well, I, I guess, sure. Um, but I'm oddly sometimes shy and I don't really have anything to say to him and it weirds me out 
at uh, at conventions or anywhere really like i don't want to occupy this person's space and time if i don't have a conversation that's that that merits it i guess it's I... it's a it's a self it's sort of a self-deprecating thing slash i'm just very shy i 100% um, have the same thing where i'm yeah. like i what have i got that's worth occupying this person's time well and it's like if i have a specific question which is like i um which i've actually uh, i have a question now that people who i want to know or people who have influenced my work um i have now have this impromptu book and film club which is my term for it but people whose work has influenced mine i am now seek actively seeking them out whether they are my peers or whether they are celebrities or whether they are completely obscure artists um and i'm saying hey your work is amazing it has been an influence and inspirational to mine what like what goes like what went into yours what has inspired you or influenced you or what is your sort of like what is a book or a film or a piece of music or a piece of art or something that grounds you because i want to find it too um so i'm just cutting out the middleman give me something to 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 take in and i've gotten these great suggestions they're amazing it's the best question to ask someone um and every once they're like, that's a very good question. I was like, I know, right? It, can't, <laughs> just, like, it came to me randomly. Well, I is, need a book it, list. It, it is great because that's how we find stuff. Like as, as you're growing up, you know, you, you find a band and you're like, oh, well, this person in this band that I like was also in this other band. And then you find that band and then they're like, well, they covered a song by this band. Let me go check this band out. Like that's how it works, and it's exactly it's, it's awesome. The, it's the same thing. And so um, I asked that to Scott when we were talking, and he suggested uh, "Kind Hearts and Coronets," um, starring Alec Guinness. And so that's great. That went in my in my film club section. That's actually when we extended it to film club. Um, <clears throat> and but I was saying, so I was saying, like I don't know what to say to this Donald Duck guy. Um, I don't want to waste his time. And, and Scott said, like, what are you talking about? You make, you make cool shit. And I was like, well, I, he's like, no, you make cool shit. You, you do stuff. Go and talk about that. Like, that's your conversation. And it turned into this very bizarre pep talk, which was really special. And, um, and I was like, well, all right, maybe, maybe I will. And I got all like, you know, the Monday morning at Dragon Con, you're kind of invincible and you're kind of hungover for the past three days. And I'm like, yeah, I want to go talk to Donald Duck. And so I did. I, I thanked Scott Adson. I was like, I will see you maybe never, maybe next year. Who knows? Good, good talk coach. <laughs> and, um, and made my way over and I got there and I was like, hello, actor, but hello. <laughs> um, <clears throat> Uh, my name is Valerie, and uh, uh, Scott over there told me that I should come and talk to you because you are the Donald Duck of my childhood, and it's very nice to meet you. And um, and like not getting a lot of response, but I was just like, I would just uh, so I've been collecting these like inspirational points um, from different people, and 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 I would just like to know like what uh, what has influenced your work, like what is what was to tell me something that you like. And, and he just was not, he did not seem very excited to talk to me. And that's mm, fine, because maybe yeah. I'm not Scott Adsit. And it's also Monday morning. But, uh, instead he started, he was like, millennials just don't read the classics. Oh no. <laughs> and, and, and I was like, oh, tell me more. <laughs> um, 
And he's like, oh, you know, they should read The Great Gatsby. And I was like, oh, I really love The Great Gatsby. Like, I've always, like, the, the, the line about uh, the tiny house being a small eyesore has just been one of those, like, things that I've loved because I tend to live in tiny, rambled, like, tumble-down houses in, in the nice parts of town sometimes. And, and I'm sort of, like, trying to be like, yeah, let's talk about this. And he's like, oh, they don't, you know, they don't do this other thing or they, they, all the films are crap. And I was like, yeah, I really like early era silent film because the rules hadn't been put in place and everyone's sort of like trying to figure out how to make uh how to turn stagecraft into cinema and it's, I was just like like please here I am I am like taking these scraps and trying to make a conversation and it just was it did not happen. And that's okay, kids. Sometimes conversations don't work out. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> and this other guy next to him was like wow, this is awesome. Let's talk about this. And I was like, cool, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm just the agent. And I was like, that's fine. You want to have a conversation? Like, <laughs> it'll be great. And again, this is nothing against... The the Donald Duck guy was fine. It was... Everyone was tired. It was early Monday morning. That's why I was like, I'm not like... But uh, our friend, again, Bo Brown, made me rewatch the first episode of DuckTales um, at his house at like two thirty in the morning. Now you're talking about after the, new, the, the puppet new slam, one, right? the new one, because I had watched the first like five minutes of it, and I was like, eh, I know David Tennant's in it, it's supposed to be awesome, but I just like I'm not, I didn't, I couldn't get into it. And Bo was like, What are you talking about? We are watching this, and so he made me sit through those first five minutes that I I later realized I was like, Well, those were sort of those were some Donald centric minutes, and I was not into it. Um. And it is quite. Uh, I think it's quite delightful now, um, but I've only seen the first episode. So I, uh, my my son, my son's ten, and he loves it. But he's grown up with this flash animation style that so many cartoons use now. Is it very? I, I yeah. I, uh, it's you can sometimes tell like where it's been sourced to. Uh, yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, so I've I've seen a good bit of it at this point. Because uh, I don't, uh, when, when it when he puts it on, I don't get up and stomp out of the room <laughs> like an insane person. <laughs> but I, yeah, I just I love the voices. I think they've got some amazing uh, they, talent. There was amazing talent there, absolutely. Uh, and actually, the writing is very good too. Because when I, if I sit and sort of look at my phone or something and don't really look at it, it it's good uh, in a very modern like it's modern Ducktales. Uh, but mm-hmm. man, I just don't like looking at it. But that, and that's you know, that's it's all personal taste. It's all what you've grown up with, what you've accepted. And like you said, at the time you were a little put off a of Donald Duck. There's no telling what's going on. Like we may not even be aware of what's in our psyche at the moment where we find a new thing, mm-hmm. and that conditions down the road may shift a little bit, and you go back to it, and you're like, oh wait, this is great. Right, or, oh wait, this was terrible. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ways. Well, that happens more frequently, I think, it's because true. I, I'm very excitable about entertainment, mm-hmm. whether it's movies or music or, or whatever, and I don't always, rec- I, I can usually recognize very quickly if something is, is bad, or if it's like, okay, I know I don't like this, uh, but sometimes it takes me a, a minute to, to like, oh, wait a minute. I don't even remember what happened here, and and that's one of my big things. Is if I look back at a movie that I saw a couple weeks ago, and it's too fuzzy, I'm like, oh, that wasn't very good, was it? 
Like if it doesn't have any impact, if I'm not still talking about it two weeks right. later, then, you know, maybe it was entertaining and that's fine, but it's not anything I need to put on my shelf, you know? Yes. Uh, but yeah, yeah, there's all, all kinds of different factors that go into, to what we like and why we like it. I didn't, I didn't like Big Trouble in Little China the first time I saw it, which is completely insane. That's, that's insane. I'm honestly, I'm not sure that I've ever seen Big Trouble in Little China. I recommend. I feel it. like as I say that, three people are screaming and, and next week I'll have a million offers to watch it. I, I try to maintain, uh, the on on the podcast on the site it, any well anything I do like I I don't believe in the you haven't seen this what like we, we, I try not to cultivate that because people you know you, you don't you don't have time to see everything or read everything you don't have time to see everything and if it's of a certain era some a lot of people are like nope repressive household like I didn't get to see that stuff like yeah um. And then you get to a point where it's not worth catching up on everything you missed. You just might as well, you know, hit the highlights and move forward. And and I've seen, a f- I've definitely gone back and seen a few things. I saw The Princess Bride late in life. Not super late, but probably 18 or 19 when I finally saw it. Um, I did not grow up with it. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, a few I other, just like the classics. I didn't see that until years after it had come out because mm-hmm. I what it was 80 it was it was late 80s i think and on the surface that well basically i was fred savage in the movie because i was like well this is a bunch of kissing and stuff it's not interesting to me like I, it just didn't appeal to me at all i didn't see it until years later probably 10 years after it came out and uh i was like oh i get it and also andre the giant oh yes yep <laughs> so you uh you have moved to to go way back around to where we were uh you moved into the 3d stuff uh we're doing dioramas and taking pictures of those so the pictures were the end product not the the diorama right and i did that i would say i only did that for maybe uh maybe a few months and then i just stopped and i um, got more involved in that was when I was in the band. I started touring a lot more, and so I wasn't I wasn't at home a lot, and everything was very portable. So I sort of went back to sketchbooks and and comic books, um, and then it kind of came full circle. I think when we did that show, and we were building puppets, and I guess I was sort of getting back into puppets. I had a decent like living situation, and. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until I, I saw that there was this much larger network of puppetry in the U.S. that I had just not been aware of. And I also hadn't been looking for it, um, that I was sort of like, oh, this is interesting. I can take in new work. I can see all these amazing things that people are doing. There is so much more out there than bad church puppetry that right, right. that I can now be exposed to. And it's been great. And that's sort of, I'm still on that I am riding that wave. I went to a house show last night with puppetry from Mexico City and um, saw a show from Puerto Rico a couple days ago. And it was just like, wow, I got really lucky that all of this is within within reach. Well, and it's amazing because you uh, until you get some level of immersion in the world of puppetry, it is kind of like, OK, well, there's the Muppets. And then there's the kids at the elementary school with socks on their hands. And right. That's, and that's kind of it, which is, 
wanted to to go back to Bo again, and he'll be delighted that we're discussing him so much. But hey, Bo, <laughs> I, I why, well, it's why I love him so much for being an ambassador of puppetry. And really, anyone who's listening to this podcast, they should know who Bo Brown is. He's uh, yeah, he's he's yeah. on here often enough. That uh, yeah. he's uh, everybody knows Bo. Everybody loves Bo. Um, but he he's he's spreading the word, and 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 that's how I've learned. There are so many different levels and types and styles and i've seen things that i don't know that i would have even called puppetry Mm -hmm. uh a few years ago that that have just blown my mind what uh well before we we jump ahead too much to to the puppetry you've done you mentioned earlier uh that you and this was another moment where i was like what is going on with this lady (laughs) uh you put up a a picture of yourself at i want to say it was like a retirement home or something or uh, some you were anyway. Oh dear, yes, I, I guess with, with the Queen of Potpourri. It, the, well, it was it was up on Instagram, and you're playing the accordion, and I was like, she plays the yes, accordion too. I do, yes, I do. How that, did that, that happen? I, I um that happened because I joined a band, and I was the girl. And no, uh, this is not to uh, to reflect poorly on women in bands who play only keyboards or tambourine, <laughs> right? That's fine. Uh, that is not me. Sure. Um, or just sing the girl parts. I, I very much did not want to be that person. I knew I needed to play an instrument, but I, uh, I've got a lot of catch up to do because I never, I grew up without really having much of a musical education or any. Okay. So and, that wasn't uh, a, a like childhood. You weren't eight years old and decided, you know what? No. Accordions are pretty cool. No, I was 18 and I decided, you know what? Accordions wow. are cool. Um, I decided that I wanted to play an instrument that was obscure enough that no one could tell me I was doing it wrong. <laughs> and I, that is actually the only instruments I play now, um, are either super easy or just weird enough that if you're going to come for me, like, it's, you're going to look ridiculous because, you know, don't come to me and tell me that I'm playing saw incorrectly. Like, I made it up. It works. It's fine. Um, what so, a yes, I bought way it. to do things. It's true. It's, it's punk rock. I, I also, there's a heavy dose of not caring um, that I've learned. But no, I bought an accordion on eBay and it showed up and it was broken. Um, which, while I do not recommend that people buy broken accordions on eBay because accordions can break very badly in completely irreparable ways but this one was fixable i discovered because i had to i was like well i've got it now like i'm in it um might as well open it up and try to fix it and in doing so i am now not afraid of accordions because they're very complex inside and i just sort of i have formed an understanding of how they work and um, and I used to fix them for a while. I had, at some point, I had seven accordions, and I no longer have seven accordions. I think I have two, and a concertina and a flutina, which is a, the predecessor to the accordion. Okay, I've, uh, yeah, I've heard concertina, and I can't visualize it, but I know I've heard it. I, flutina is completely foreign to me. Uh, flutina, I would say, you probably have to look it up. There are some great, like, old tin types. Of very, of a very angry woman holding one in her lap. <laughs> and she's just, she's just very sort of stern face. Sure, which, you know, sure. at, at the time, um, she's holding still for that photo, but there are these little boxes. They're kind of uh, about tissue box sized with uh, a base or an air release on one side and then two buttons and then like maybe 
eight or eight to ten buttons on the other side, and it's chromatic like a concertina. So going in, going out, make different different notes. And um, then the concertina is the sort of or the concertina I have is a sort of octagonal um, concertinas, and I can't play that one to save my life. But it was my grandfather's, so I I inherited it. And it also needs some work, so I need to fix it up one day. Was and your grandfather a big musical person? Not a big musical person. I do have memories of him playing Salito Lindo on that. God, I butchered that pronunciation. I overthought it. Um, I, if, if you hadn't said anything, I wouldn't have known. Going, going I with knew, your but theory. I thought it. I knew it as I said it. <laughs> um, that's all right. He was he was Croatian, so it wasn't he. He didn't know it either. Um, <laughs> But uh, I remember him playing that as a little girl, but not like all the time. It wasn't like here comes Grandpa on the concertina. I just have right. a few distinct memories, so I don't. I don't know. Um, I I don't think my family is very musical. Bless them. Um, are, are they were they creators in any way? Did they have like little hobbies on the side, drawing or anything? Yes, my mother is a graphic artist, and my father is an engineer. And I think together, by those powers combined, I became a puppeteer. That's how you produce somebody like, that can fix an accordion that, intuitively. Exactly. Like every once in a while, that like engineer mechanical brain <laughs> kicks in, and I just love it. So I yes, I think that that I think it can be explained. With this weird, uh, like, dark period where I just, like, screwed off and went touring with a punk rock band that no one can explain why I did that. Well, I, mean, I can. It, it was amazing. It, well, yeah. But, I mean, that's the kind of stuff that makes a life. Like, that enriches your life. It yes. gives you experience. It gives you I've perspective. Been to every major city in the U.S. except for Las Vegas. So, it's hard to book in Vegas. Any, and, uh, uh, yeah. I've seen the country many times over. Now I've asked anybody that's been on that's that's been in a band touring situation, so I've got to ask you any any wild tour stories. Oh God! Well, short answer, yes. But can I remember them? <laughs> and not even like of the blurry haze, just sort of like God. Uh. Or or alternately, any favorite cities that were just cool whenever you've been there. Favorite cities, I have always had an amazing time in Chicago. I love New York. Although New York, when you're traveling in like a, a van and you've got stuff to load, it's pretty brutal. So now as a frequent, uh, I sort of, I say that I punch my local card there a lot. I was there six different trips this year. Um, going there without a car, I now am much more fond of New York when I don't have to deal with driving a van around in it. So, yeah, yeah. Um, yep. I I have struck it from my list of cool places to tour. Um, (laughs) uh, Yeah, L.A. was really cool once and then really terrible the next time and then back to kind of mediocre. And and Savannah, we always had we had we had a really good following and had really good shows in Savannah, Georgia. And Columbia, South Carolina is probably the most amazing place that I've played Mostly because I just had, I have fans there who bring me stuff. There you go. And like that's where the flutina came from and someone gave me an accordion like straight out in the back of their car at Art Bar in Columbia, South Carolina. So magic happens there for no reason. That's awesome. I've, and then I, I think uh-huh. everybody uh, that's come on the show has, has that we've discussed it. 
uh, everybody loves Chicago. Like, that is the one city that every single time comes up. It's just a cool city. And it's, um, yeah, it's it's got amazing infrastructure. There's amazing arts going on there. Um, and it's just this, this bastion in the Midwest of, of really cool things. So yeah, I, I really like, I really like Chicago. I need to find my way out there at some point. It's, it's been too long. It's one of those, like, I feel like I can't talk too much about it because it's been probably about five years since I've been there. So it's sort of like, oh yeah, I gotta, I gotta get back out there. That's the worst thing about not touring is that you're not just sort of, you don't end up in cities as readily as I used to. So it's like, oh, I have to like buy a plane ticket to get to Chicago and, or it's like an eight hour drive, 10 hour, I don't know. It's, it's far away. Well, and I have to, like, I feel like I have to have a reason to go places. Like I don't, mm-hmm. I don't ever just visit anywhere. I've got to, ha- there's got to be something going on or I've got to be, you know, presenting or something. Like I Absolutely. It, it's got to be justified for me at this point, <laughs> which maybe no, I'm about great. To- I'm about to go on a trip and I'm looking up open mic nights so I can just like feel like I'm doing something that I'm supposed to be doing. Like, of course I need to play at some punk rock bar in Glasgow. Like, that's what I have to do. Like, that's who I am. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. but it also will make me feel much more like, yeah, I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. I'm not sitting around enjoying myself. I'm working. Oh my gosh. That's the, the being so conscious of time. Mm-hmm. And okay, I can do this, but I really like. I, I've I worry sometimes that my my friends that I record with get annoyed because I'm like, okay, we're gonna watch this movie, and after it's done, we're gonna record an episode because I just I, I record everything because there's so many conversations that I've had since I've started doing this that halfway through I'm like, why the fuck am I not recording this? We I are, totally understand that. Oh my gosh, we're having this great deep conversation about. You know, that didn't, didn't end up anywhere where we started and it's so good. And, you know, one, yes, it's good content. It's great for the show. But two, I just want to be able to go back and revisit. I want to reference it. I'm yes. the same way about, I had no desire to join a social media platform about taking pictures of your food. I had uh-huh. no desire to join Instagram until the, uh, my friend Brad, who was our bass player in Hellblinky at the time, uh, was like, it's really cool for touring because you get to flip back and see all the places you've been and just refocusing, like rejiggering that in my head. I, I love Instagram mm-hmm. for the same reason. And I feel, um, so as much as I love my, my adorable little house in the woods, um, I often feel like completely isolated from the rest of the world, especially from my profession, which is why I am down in Atlanta so often, which is why I took six trips to New York. Um, it's because that's where things are happening and I need to, to, to be present. Um, so, but I will take a million photos of different things because yeah, it's great. It's fun. And, and yay, we had such a good time last night. Oh my God, you got so drunk, but no, it's for me, it's, I need to keep a reference because I am sort of living this double life of working in a big city and then residing in a town of, I believe we just capped 2,500 people. So Nice. What? That's a landmark. Yeah. We are the county seat of Jackson County, everybody. So, you know. Pretty highfalutin. 
Yes. Although we're we're big time stuff now because three billboards outside of Ebbing, Missouri just came out. So oh. we're very excited that was shot here. And it's it is it's our town. It's oh, they're very... gonna start they're gonna start descending upon you now. Um yeah, we actually did have some people who were editing the film descend on us <laughs> after like they're like they're like, We had vacation, we came in from LA, we uh we saw your town oh, as we cut together this movie. <laughs> so well, you know, we can, we can, uh, I, it, it's only going to make my property values go up. So That's who true. Knows? That's very That'll true. That'll be fine. Uh, yeah, I, I love Instagram. I've, I've made so many contacts there. I've actually been able to interview people that otherwise wouldn't have been very accessible because mm-hmm. it's, it's very, uh, creators like Timothy Clark. That's how I met him was on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, and it's creators and visual communication. Yes. It's just the the best. I, I love it. And, it's, and I honestly don't read it a whole lot. I, well, I don't no, read no. social media a whole lot. I try to, I read Twitter now. Oh, I've decided gosh, it's, what? I'm, I'm. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm kind of new to Twitter. Oh, no, so, run. Run away. No, 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 no. But here's the thing. Who I follow is very curated. Sure. Because I haven't just followed everyone. So I can open Twitter and it's usually sane voices helping me understand political crises and then the occasional like, and this day in Doctor Who history. And it's like, oh, okay. Da, 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 da. And and comedians that I enjoy who now are all f- also freaking out about political crises. Right. Well, that's but, the problem is that it's so bad now. It's leaking into everything and I, but I find I find that Facebook is is or my current Facebook, which is like, it's Facebook. Your connections are mutual, so and I mean I know I don't want people to tell me like you can unfollow. So I don't have time to curate who I am following and unfollowing in Facebook. Right. If someone wants to be my friend, I tend to say okay, that's fine. Um, but that means that I am seeing everyone's rants and how everyone feels and sometimes people are not as as uh, astute as I would like them to be. I'm sure sometimes I am not as astute as I would like to be but um, yeah a lot of people like to mouth off on Facebook I like to to carefully word everything because I believe that the internet lasts forever um, oh yeah but I will never be able to run for politics anyway that's okay it's uh yeah it's 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 a mess now and I just I hate it. I hate it when things cuz obviously we have to have discussions and that stuff's important but I hate it when it's overwhelming because sometimes I just yes. want to sometimes I just want to look at pictures of toys and puppies and stuff and It's true. not see screaming orange goblins. Uh That's so, just Tim Clark. <laughs> oh no! Yay. You meant Trump. Oh, Perfect. <laughs> I, I totally. I listened to your most recent episode in preparation, and it was Timothy Clark. And so I sent him a message, being like, "Man, I didn't work for the Muppets or on Dark Crystal. Like, who, who, the, who the hell am I to follow your interview?" Um, <laughs> no, so, but that's but see, hey, that's what I, I love Timothy though. Clark, so that's cool, right? It's no. it's <laughs> the. I feel like and and. I feel like the degrees of separation between all of us feel like so much more than they really are. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, you're going to have experiences where you meet creators or meet people that you've grown up loving or, or whatever the case that don't go necessarily how you want. But for the most part... Donald Duck. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> the Donald Duck disaster. Uh, uh, I've had time to coin that, so don't worry about it. <laughs> I, I've had 
uh, I've had many more positive experiences than negative. And, and you know, I've had my own. I, I grew up worshiping Tom Savini. Uh, just his makeup and all the stuff he did in horror mm-hmm. movies and everything. Just, my gosh, he was a hero. But I met him years and years ago at Dragon Con. And, he, you know, he was having a bad day or whatever. And it crushed uh-huh. me. But then I met him later on, and he was fine, super nice. So, you know, I mean, you never know what's going on. and, and it, Absol- Absolutely. And people can't be expected to be on all the time, especially no. at something like, hello. I think I just got a Skype message. You did. That oh, was... I got one from you. <laughs> hey, peek behind the curtain. That's right, everyone. I'm so bad at Skype. We do, we do so messages during podcasts as well. It's a little peek behind the needless things scene. <laughs> uh, but I, I, I really feel like more often than not, as long as they're, as long as you don't approach somebody like a lunatic, uh, you know, they're happy to share their knowledge. They're happy to, to meet someone who's enthusiastic about the things that they're enthusiastic about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but like you said, if all you've got is, Hey, I think you're really cool. That's that's when I feel awkward, and I'm like, man, well, I'd really like to meet that person, but what do I do? Sometimes you've obligated yourself to meet one of your heroes since you were 11 with a puppet that bears a uh, the visage of said person, and it's <laughs> it's horrifying. How, how do what absolutely was, horrifying? Okay, now first of all, you said since you were 11, so you you and and you did clarify you were familiar with Capaldi's work prior to yes, Doctor Who. What, yes, so what I is saw, your fandom? I saw, um, I I am not that it's a competition, ladies, but no, um, <laughs> no, I, <laughs> um, I saw. Actually, it brings us back around to Sandman, in the sense that it's Neil Gaiman. I saw Neverwhere, the 1996 BBC uh, miniseries of Neverwhere, um, when I was impressionable. It was probably about 11 or 12. Oh wow! Yeah, and I loved it. And I have this sort of pop-out effect for every single one of those actors. I just see them, and I'm like, "Oh, that's that's, that's her. That's that's the woman who played Door. Um, that's the guy who played the Marquis. Like, like I just know who they are." And it's it had nothing to do with any of their. Per- it was sort of it wasn't anyone's specific performance. It was all of their performances. It was what it was. I just loved that. It's it's my favorite um, Neil Gaiman work, I think, as well. And. Uh, and um so yeah and Peter Capaldi played the Angel Islington and he looked uh, ridic- he was absolutely ridiculous in it but he, he had this pop out effect and I just had seen him in various things just small bit roles here and there and then um and then of course as uh, Malcolm Tucker in the thick of it was just the best um isn't it funny how those people stick with you like that the, they do, and it's where, you're just a kid, and it's like this is magic. I want to live in this world. I can't because it's fantasy. Um, so I'm gonna make my own fantasy, uh, and thus you become a puppeteer. But no, it's a um, yeah. You just there's a certain age where something just like cements in your brain, and it will be there forever. And, and, and uh, for for reasons you don't understand, that one actor or whatever, every time you see him, you're just happy. I don't. Well, it's not like, happy, but I'm I'm utterly terrified of Max Headroom. Um, but for the same, similar, like <laughs> I just saw him. I'm not even sure if I saw actual Max Headroom. I may have seen Square One on PBS impersonating Max Headroom. I don't know. I was too young, 
but he like similar just locked into my brain and haunts my dreams to this day oh wow um, but in a weird sort of twisted fascination like it's i can't look away it's my, just like oh it's amazing my my equivalent of that is et mm, yeah can't, can't handle et at all <sighs> see i love et mm. but yeah it's it's a but yeah so so yeah the um i uh yeah, I basically just quoted my comic, but that's a, that's 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 the truth. Well, speaking of your comic, we can find this online. Yes, I actually, um, since we are online doing this interview over Skype, I tweeted it on Twitter, which I have said that I'm a fan of, mostly because I'm very bad at it. Um, <laughs> but it's it's on my Google Drive, so I shared it. Um, but it's a. Uh, so I I pinned it. I just figured out how to, it's my first pinned tweet, but at uh, at Hello Tiny Wonder, which is my my Twitter and it's also my Instagram. Though the comic's not on Instagram, but a lot of cool stuff is. Um, so yeah, it's it's there. And then tinywonder.org is my website, and I need to really put it there as well. But that will happen when I redesign my website at some point. It's it's a I'm, busy time now. Yeah, I'm making that face that you make when you have something you need to do, but you're not, you know, it's not a priority. That's my resting face. Yeah. Uh, I'm so, hear it. And you, now, I don't know if you still are. Are you, are you still taking uh, commissions right now? Yes, I can. Yes. Yes, I am. How, how could people get in touch with you for that sort of thing? They should, uh, what is it? Was it slide into the DMs? I don't know. Um, you can. <laughs> I don't know about that terminology <laughs> at all. I don't know how to. God, what am I asking? Um, I am. I am available on. I would say sending me a direct message on Twitter, um, and then Instagram has a bunch of art. Uh, tinywonder.org has art. Um. My Society Six page, which is just Tiny Wonder Society Six dot com slash Tiny Wonder or whatever it is, has um, stuff you can buy. But at the same time, it also has examples of work. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm out there, and uh, but yeah, I I accept commissions even after the holiday season, but uh, not uh, December twenty seventh through January fourteenth because I'm out of the country. So. Oh, exciting! Where, where can you discuss where you're going? Go- no, it's a secret. I su- no, I'm going to I'm going to Scotland for New Year's, and then I'm going to Berlin because oh, it's wow. there. Because I have a friend who has an apartment. That is my that is my uh, that is my new thing. This will be officially my second year doing it. So now it's a tradition: is that I go somewhere incredible for New Year's because it's a nice way to start the year. Um, and then I come back to America, which is still a dumpster fire. So, <laughs> oh, I, isn't it just in, in Tokyo last year for New Year's and or this year for New Year's, and then I will be in Scotland and Edinburgh for um, Glasgow, Edinburgh, and Inverness for New Year's this year, and then I'll pop over to Berlin because that's apparently something you can do over there. Are so. you? Because uh, I I haven't been out of the country since I was like eighteen, which is sad, but whatever. Uh, are at this point in our geopolitical state of the world, are you very conscious of your American accent when you're abroad? Oh yes. Um, well, okay. So the only abroad uh, travel that I have done in the era that is now is um, Japan, of which I speak um, very poor Japanese. And when I'm walking around in Japan, there is no fooling anyone that I 
<laughs> that you're local. Not native. Um, and I did have, uh, but I'm very like I, I'm very quiet. I travel alone very often, um, so I don't necessarily have anyone I am talking to constantly. Right. So I'm not mouthing off. Most of the loud people in Japan were Australian tourists because I think they were up sort of like on their summer break um, to visit Tokyo. Uh, but I did have one old man uh, ask me in a park where I was from. And I was very excited that I understood him. Uh, and I told him I was from the U.S. And he started to yell at me. Oh, no. And uh, it, he was just ranting. and It was way too fast for me to pick up. And I was just saying, like, uh, I'm sorry. I don't understand. Like, sumimasen, wakarimasen. And uh, and he's just like, da, 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 And he's like, tarompe. And I was like, oh, well, I got that. Like, I understand right. that. <laughs> Even if um, you hadn't heard that, you could have made that assumption. So- well, so I'm trying to say, like, no, I, like, I don't know how to say I didn't vote for that, like, crazy person. Like, no, I don't know how to say these things. Right. And I was trying to explain, like, I'm a woman. It's different. And, uh, but we settled on, uh, I was just, I said, which is a very poorly pronounced. Trump is an idiot. Trump is a, Trump is a dum-dum. And the, the little old man in the puffer jacket, he was like, Hi, <laughs> and we just like agreed, and it was fine. And we said that like back and forth a couple times, and he sort of like nodded his head very like brusquely. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna go now. So I said like thank you and goodbye in Japanese, and then I I ran off to the Ghibli Museum and like hugged a seven foot tall Totoro. And I was like, please, <laughs> this is the weirdest thing. And after I left, when I came back, I was like, that was the best interaction I had in Japan. Because it started with, like, I, I assuaged someone who was yelling at me. Yeah. It was amazing. Um, and also, I figured out how to say Trump is an idiot on the on the fly. So I need to figure out how to say Trump is an idiot in German um, before I go to Berlin. And I know that everyone speaks English there, but I I don't like leading with English. I like trying to speak even if it's pathetic i just like being like look i know that i am here i don't need the world to cater to my um american exceptionalism or like my thought of american exceptionalism so right right but i don't speak german this is a completely tacked on uh trip so i need to get a little a little german little phrase book and and study it on the way over well, I, I honestly, I think those words of wisdom are probably a goody, uh, pretty good place to, to wrap it up. If you are sure. going to be traveling abroad, uh, learn whatever language is spoken where you're going. Learn Just to learn say how Trump to say is Trump is an idiot. If you can expound upon the fact that Americans who are out in the world trying to take in other cultures are not the problem, go for it. But it, at, at base, learn how to say... Trump is an idiot in that language, and you're going to make some friends. Where Where is the restroom? Where do I eat? And Trump is an idiot. There you go. These are all like, we need to update all of the guidebooks. Like, all yeah. of the Lonely Planet books need to get in touch. We need to fix this. I don't I don't normally get too political on the show, but one, I think Sorry. that's important. No, no. No, one, that's that's kind of a universal truth. And, and two, I think it's important and helpful, and, and we like to be helpful here. Yes, and also, that's all my Twitter is, is politics and a couple comedians and Doctor Who news. <laughs> so, everybody, uh, Google, it, it, what a day we live in where you can just say Google oh. Tiny Wonder and you'll find all the stuff. 
It's true. Tiny Wonder and and uh, and at and hello Tiny Wonder on Twitter and Instagram. Valerie, thank you so much for coming thank on the show you. and talking. Uh, Absolutely. We'll, yeah, we'll we'll have to do it again. I think we're, there's there's a lot of untapped material to cover. There is. We basically just covered that I poke at things and and and, and I made a comic that one time. <laughs> that's a, that's a good start, though. which is a great start. You've got to hook. You've got to hook back. the listeners. There you go. Awesome. Thank you so much. Great. Thank you. Now wait. Stop. Don't go anywhere. Don't touch that dial because I've got a special treat for you in the form of a song from Tiny Wonder, a.k.a. Valerie Meese. And this song is a cover of a song that was sung by Peter Capaldi way back in 1982? 1980! Oh my gosh. That's a long time ago. Uh, so back in 1980, Peter Capaldi was in a band called The Dream Boys, and they released a song called Bela Lugosi's Birthday. And uh, you're going to hear Valerie Meese's version of it right now.
That was haunting and beautiful. I highly recommend you go to come on website tinywonder.bandcamp.com where you can find all of Valerie's music and you can pick up her entire discography right now uh, for 16 bucks or more. That's all three Tiny Wonder releases. They're all right there at tinywonder.bandcamp.com. What a tremendous Christmas gift that would be for the weirdo in your life. And I say that in the most loving way, as you know I do. Uh, also, while you're on the internet, because, you know, that's, I'm sure we all make special uh, small windows of time throughout the day to get on the internet. We don't just sit on it all day long or anything like that. So in one of your small 15-minute windows of internet time, I also recommend you look up uh, the Dream Boys version of that song, Bela Lugosi's Birthday, and check it out because it's pretty awesome. And also, Craig Ferguson was in that band too. He was the drummer, uh, but he wasn't on that track. So Honestly, I don't know why I even mentioned it. You guys, Christmas is right around the corner. Uh, all of the other holidays that we celebrate, I, I need to look up when Hanukkah is this year so I don't sound like such a big asshole just talking about Christmas all the time. Uh, but hey, Christmas is my thing, but I, I, I love them all, and, and we'll, uh, we'll have some special Hanukkah time coming up in the future. So it's all right around the corner. I hope you're having fun. I hope you're celebrating. I hope you're loving your loved ones. I hope you're celebrating art. I hope you're celebrating life. I hope you are taking at least a little bit of your money and putting it towards artists and stuff. Uh, I love you guys. Thank you for listening to the Needless Things podcast. You're the best. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, Downcast, or in the ears of a Trader Vix employee. And of course, it's at needlessthingssite.com. Love you. Mean it. Uh-huh. <laughs>